Jesus, take our time now. God, we ask that you would, you would empower, you would enable, Lord, the word to be not only be spoken, but to be heard, to be received. God, we ask for revelation. We ask, Lord, you would show us, Father, something of your nature, your character. God, would you call us to something new, something upgraded in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, we've been for a number of weeks in this series called An Upgraded Faith, and it is based out of 2 Peter chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul says something really interesting, uh, really challenging, and it's tied to a promise, okay? Here's the challenge. Here's the promise. I'm just kind of, we've studied this in depth, but I'm going to show you a combined scripture here. This is uh, verses 5 and 8 kind of linked together so you can see the challenge and the promise right here. This is what Peter writes, and he says, make every effort. Everybody say every effort. To add to your faith. That little phrase right there, add to your faith, is where we got the title of our series, an upgraded faith. That God has given us everything we need to, be, to, to put our trust in him and to become people of faith, following after Jesus. We're gospel people, transformed by him. But then he says, it doesn't stop there. Peter is reminding us, we are to add to our faith in Jesus. And then here's the promise. This will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are some people who have not caught this. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying some people out in the world. Some people who say, hey, well, I'm a person of faith. I put my trust in Jesus, you know, back, way back in the day and whatever. Now I'm just living my own life. Peter is here to remind us. Don't work like that. We start by putting our trust in Jesus. We start by saying, God, I, I realign my faith with you. I put my faith in you. And then I keep growing. I keep adding my faith. I continually upgrade my faith. And the promise is that as I do that, I will not have a faith that is ineffective and unproductive. So, how many of you want a useful and a fruitful faith? I mean, something that just like marks your life and people go, wow, what is it about your life that is so like contagious? Like, whew, I want what you got. I don't even know what you got and I want it. And that's because we're people who are choosing to continue to upgrade our faith. Now, in this passage is also embedded what Peter says are seven of the essential upgrades. Seven things that he says, hey, whatever you add to your faith, don't forget these right here. So let's remind ourselves of those seven things. Second Peter chapter one, again, this is verse five through seven. And he says, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he goes through these seven things. Goodness. Goodness. Some weeks ago, we really unpacked that and talked for a couple of weeks about what does it mean to add goodness to our faith? And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. The self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, mutual affection, which is like human kindness. 
and a mutual affection, love. Seven essential upgrades to our faith. Listen, right in the middle of this list of seven things, there are two that I believe for most of us are probably the most challenging. Now, like, you know, I think most people would say, oh man, I want to be good. I want to be loving. You know, those are the bookends. We've talked about those two already. You know, man, I want, I want to be someone who's, I want to be someone who's good, you know, righteous and holy. And I want to be like Jesus, get rid of all the junk out of my life. And we want to be people who are loving, right? Love wins, you know, it's like, oh, that sounds good. I want to be loving. But right smack in the middle right here are two of these upgrades that are hard. Self-control and perseverance. Self-control and perseverance. Um, today we're diving into that first one of self-control. Next week we're going to do a study in the second of those. Why are we... Doing that. Why are we going deeper into these two? I believe that these are essential in our upgrades. They're, Peter says that, but I mean, they're, these are so essential to our discipleship. Self-control and perseverance. Essential to our discipleship. Now, if you've been around the Santa Maria Foursquare Church for any season whatsoever, this will be a reminder for those of you that are new, visiting us, this will be maybe new words to you, but the Santa Maria Foursquare Church, when we talk about discipleship, we like always reference three words. Here they are right here. Discover, develop, deploy. Would you say those words with me? Discover, develop, deploy. What are those about? Why are those tied to discipleship? Number one is discovery. You can't grow in what you don't know. Like if you don't know something, you can't grow in that, right? You, you, you have to learn first. So discovery has to do with either learning something new or like getting fresh insight into that. So we discover who God is, what he has said, what he has done, and who I am in him. Okay. When I, and see, when I make those discoveries, those revelations, those insights, then I'm able to begin to grow. So discipleship always begins with discovery. Got to know before you can grow. Make sense? Second one, though, is a little different. It is development. And here's the way we could say it. If discovery happens in the classroom... Guess where development happens? The gym. It is putting in the work. It is like, I'm going to get after this. I'm like, this is where it, it's like we hit the challenges, but we keep going. Development is where we develop spiritual maturity. Development. It's in the gym. It's like doing the work. It's the heavy lifting. It's doing our 260 reading. It's like, it's actually getting up on Sunday morning going, oh man, there's so many different things I could be doing right now, but I'm going to get into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to see what God's going to tell me, and I'm going to love on others. I'm going to do some ministry. I'm getting after it. I'm getting after it. I'm doing that, I'm doing that work. A lot of people come to faith and they stop at discovery. They stop at like, oh, God's good. That's a good discovery. I like that right? Woo. Makes me feel good. He took my sin. I'm forgiven. 
great discovery. And then they don't get into the gym and actually start to put his promises into practice. Spiritual maturity is never developed. Challenges come, they get washed away. Some of you know Jesus' parable about the soils. It's exactly what he's talking about. The seed goes out to everybody. That's discovery. Mm, discovery's good. I like that. And there's some quick growth that happens. But if the soil is not good soil, and that soil that has been developed, get that trowel down in there, get that shovel, water, the yucky fertilizer, all that stuff that's needed to make the soil good, that's then what can become fruitful because there's this maturity, spiritual maturity in that person's life because they've developed past just the really nice discoveries, okay? Then there's the third D though, really important, deployment. What is deployment? It is the goal of discipleship. It's where we learn that, oh, it's not just about me. That God has a calling on my life. He has an assignment on my life. He's created me to do good works in him. And when I, man, I make these discoveries and then I develop this spiritual maturity and depth to my life, guess what I get to go and do? I get to go and help make other disciples. I get to go and help other people get set free. Mm, I love it. Well, that's a little overview for you. Where do you think self-control and perseverance fit in those three things? Right in the middle, like right in this list of seven things, right? This is not so much about discovery as it is about doing the work. It's about getting after it and saying, I got to buckle down and figure out how to now take my life and develop maturity, spiritual maturity, and begin to develop these things in me that will only come through self-control and perseverance. Sound good? Without self-control, we'll never become spiritually mature in a way that discipleship really requires if it's going to be useful and fruitful. Why? Because when I have self-control, when I have self-control, I now have the power to choose that I can surrender my will to Jesus. If I have self-control, then I can choose, Jesus, I surrender this part of my life to you. I give you this area of my life. God, I, I recognize I've been acting as the Lord over this part of my life. But because I have self-control, I can choose to give you lordship over this whole area of my life. Oh, that's, that's a hard one, Lord. But I, when I have self-control, I can choose where I give that control. When I don't have self-control, when I don't have self-control, that means something else is in control. So I lose, I lose the choice can I surrender this area of my life to the Lord and whatever's mastering me laughs and says, oh no, you, you surrendered that will to me. You don't get to make that choice until we say, I am wrestling that back. I am going to become someone of self-control. I am upgrading my faith. I am adding self-control to my faith to get back to that place where we can say, now I do have the choice of who's in charge of that area of my life. 
and I'm going to say, Jesus, this is you. Yes. Taking this area of my life and putting it under your lordship because nothing else is going to have mastery over me in that area of my life. Self-control determines who is in charge of my life. I'm either free or I am a prisoner, depending on whether I have upgraded in this, if if I've added self-control to my life. It would not be surprising to you, especially those who have been in our 260 uh, New Testament Bible reading plan, it would not be surprising that I would be addressing this issue because those who have been doing our 260 reading, which all are invited to do, and you can find more information on on our website, we just finished this really short little book called Titus, just in the past days. Finished up Titus. In this three short chapters, in fact, in the very first two chapters, uh, Paul is writing to his friend Titus, and he talks about self-control four times in just two chapters in this little tiny book in the New Testament. Self-control. First time he talks about it is in chapter one when he's talking about like, hey, everybody who is a leader in the church, right? Anybody who's like doing something of service or ministry or eldership, all that kind of stuff. One of the qualities he says they must have is what? Guess what? Self-control. And you go, glad I'm not a leader. Uh, You know, it's like, I dodged a bullet there, right? Thank you, Paul. Now I know I don't want to be a leader. Okay. (laughs) Then we get to chapter two. And then he says, guess what, Titus? It was like he was training him to be a pastor. And Paul writes to him and he says, guess what? All those older men, you know what you need to teach them? Self-control. And all the older men, like me, like, oh, pucker up a little bit. Okay, that's me too. Then he says, about women, Self-control. Then he talks about what to, how to train younger men. First thing on the list, self-control. So it's not just for leaders, Lord. This is for all of us? Uh Uh-huh. That is what we consistently see through scripture. Now, Proverbs talks quite a bit about self-control. Controlling all the different parts of our, our lives, our mouths, you know, everything. Let me show you two really cool scriptures from Proverbs about self-control. First one is in chapter 5, okay, verse 22 and 23. This is where we read this. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die For lack of self-control, he will be lost because of his great foolishness. And he ties this idea of not having self-control with foolishness. Proverbs is about wisdom. It's about separating and finding distinction between people who are walking foolishly, people who are walking in wisdom. And he ties self-control directly to, hey, if you want to be wise, man, be somebody of self-control. You lack self-control, you are in the camp of the foolish. But then here's something really cool, because there's a flip side to that, and it's some chapters later, Proverbs 16:32. I love this. He says this. He says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he 
I like these words, who rules his spirit. Then he who takes a city. Both of those ideas, slow to anger, guess what? Somebody has self-control. And I love this, the way that he phrases it. He doesn't use the word self-control. He uses rules your spirit. Like who's in charge? Now I'm, I'm in control here. I'm in control of my own life, my own actions, my own thoughts, my own soul, my spirit. He who rules his spirit is better than one who takes a city. You want to be better than a mighty conqueror? Learn to conquer your own life. And we're taught the one who does that, one who learns to conquer their own life through self-control is better than a mighty conqueror. So what is self-control? I'm going to give you a couple of things to to think about as you just meditate on this and say, God, I I want to grow in this and in my own life, my own spirit. One is this, self-control, you put this up on the screen, self-control is acting in agreement with our discernment. Self-control is the acting out part that comes into agreement with our discernment. Spiritual discernment is what helps us to know, "Mm, this seems right, this seems wrong. This seems better of the options that are before me. That's what like discernment is. It is that when it, it's literally like having more than one option and discernment says, yeah, you can eliminate those options because this is how God is leading you. Some things are really clear, like they're evident because of what scripture already tells us about things to stay away from and things that would um, move us into God's will. Some things are gray areas. I've preached on that. In fact, you go back on YouTube and find our message on gray areas. What, what happens when it's not really clear? How, how do I make decisions then? But you know what? But, but self-control is when I act on what I discern. It is not enough to discern what is right or wrong or what is better and what God, how God is leading us. Not enough to discern. We need self-control then so that my actions are in agreement with my discernment. Not enough to know. We have to go in the direction that God is showing you. And I want to remind you, in that list of the essential upgrades, now it probably makes more sense when he says, add to your knowledge, self-control. There, oh, there is some sequencing that Peter was thinking about as he gave us these upgrades. You know You're growing in discernment. You're growing in knowledge of God's will for your life. So then guess what you do? You act upon it by letting your life through self-control shape your path in alignment, in agreement with your discernment, with your knowledge. Self-control is steering ourselves in the ways of God. It's literally like grabbing that steering wheel Rather than just like, oh, it's a Tesla, you know, it's got automatic steering, someone else is in control of where I'm going. Self-control is like saying, I'm taking this off autopilot, and I'm taking my hands and putting them back on the steering wheel of my life, because there are bright and shiny things out there that are calling for my attention. There are voices calling for me. 
There are urges and just human passions and desires that are begging me to turn to the left or to the right. And self-control is saying, no, I have control of where this vehicle of my life is pointed. Is grabbing back on and taking over control, not allowing myself to swerve to the left or to the right. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. Check this out. It's in verse 12. It's part of a larger conversation, of course, that he's, he's writing to the church in Corinth about, but I love what he says in verse 12. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I have the right to do anything. Just stop right there. It's like, I'm all grown up. I can do what I want. Okay? I can turn to the left. I can turn to the right. But not everything is beneficial. That ain't going to be helpful. I could take a detour over here. I have the right to do it. And you know what? A lot of those things will not take me out of my faith, at least immediately. I'm just going to journey over here for a while. I'm going to go check this out over here. I'm going to go do this thing instead of what my discernment is saying. Mm, no, 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 no. Don't, don't go down that road. But it is bright and shiny and pretty and lights and woo. And I don't know what does it for you. I, I don't know what it is in your heart, your spirit, your wiring that may cause you to go that direction. Because for me, I may go, I don't care about that at all. But you go, oh, I care about that a lot. But for me, it's something different. For me, it's something else. We're all wired kind of uniquely. Different things, different signs on the side of the road saying, hey, stop here, pull off here, do this over here. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not give over the mastery of my life. That right there is the heart of self-control. Say, I won't let anything master my life except my master, Jesus, who is king of kings and Lord of lords. He knows me perfectly and yet loves me. I choose to make him my master. So, another little helpful definition maybe of self-control Self-control is saying no to everything that is ineffective and unproductive in my life so I can say yes to what is useful and fruitful. In other words, self-control is not just saying no to things. It's saying no to things like what Paul was just saying that are not beneficial, things that aren't helpful, Things aren't useful, productive. So that, you know what it does? It preserves the bandwidth of my life. Self-control preserves the bandwidth of my life. So I still have the energy needed, the resources needed, all that I need to say yes to things that are beneficial, to things that are in agreement with my discernment about, no, this is the way to go. This is the way to go. And remember, 
We're talking about a kind of self-control that Peter says is added to our faith. This is not like the kind of self-control that you read about in Women's Day magazine or, you know, five ways to say no to chocolate. I don't know, whatever, you know. (laughs) We're not talking about just like this natural type of thing that like we all need to make better choices, you know, like, "Mm, don't say yes to those foods, say yes to these, all that kind of stuff. We're not talking about a natural kind of like a, you just need a more robust willpower. That's not what we're talking about. This is Peter saying, no, this is something you add to your faith. This is a spiritual self-control. This is a spiritual action. And guess what? Spiritual actions are empowered by God himself. So it's not just my willpower, like I just need to find those steroids for my willpower so I can grow in this. You might remember that self-control is actually listed as one of the fruit of the spirit. It's the last one. Maybe you forgot it because at the end of the list, but be reminded, Galatians 5, and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces. Look what God does in, in our lives. When I'm following after him and I've said yes to him and he's given me his Holy Spirit, which is a promise. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, everybody say it, self-control. So self-control is not just some kind of robust willpower that I'm just like, trying to muscle up in my own strength. It's actually saying, God, as I surrender my life to you, as I make you the Lord of my life, you have given me your spirit to enable and empower me. To be someone who will say no to those things that are not beneficial for my life. Things that will cause my life to be ineffective and unproductive, right? Going back to 2 Peter chapter one. That's what we're trying, Peter's saying, I wanna preserve you from that kind of foolishness. You don't have time for that. We need a faith that is useful and fruitful and God will empower it in us. So I wanna finish by giving just a, a few things to chew on that I think could be very practical steps to like, God, okay, self-control. I am recognizing I need this in my life because I don't want to be mastered by anything other than you, okay? So what are some like practical things that we could like think about to say, I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to do some stuff that will help me in this process of developing. Remember, development is the gym. It is, there's like no silver bullet. I, I can't come and just give you self-control. You have to upgrade your life with it. And in fact, Peter says, continually, like you're ongoingly adding this to your life. So my self-control today, I need more of it tomorrow, right? So how do we begin growing in self-control? 
I'm just going to give you two thoughts. There's some things that we should stay away from. Now, listen, we are not a church that, like, gives out big lists of things like, you know, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do. You know, it's like, um, (laughs) you know, like, and there are some churches, I think, that just kind of, like, they have found it, for whatever reason, helpful to, like, these are things we will never, you you better not do this, church, right? Um, We're not a church that hands out lists, but I'm telling you, there's some things that will destroy your life (laughs) if you turn down these paths. So what should we stay away from? What are some paths we should not go down? And we need to like grab the steering wheel and take back control. I want to give you two things to stay away from. Number one, stay away from things that would impair your judgment. Anything that would impair your judgment. If you give your mind over to something else, and something is impairing your judgment, guess what you now lack the ability to do? Discern. And then act in agreement with your discernment by saying no and yes, like practicing self-control. Probably when I say don't allow your, impairment, you know, your judgment to be impaired, you probably think of some things that would be very common. Drugs and alcohol that impair judgment. It's also no surprise that scripture is filled with things that say don't go down that path. It's in Ephesians that we read, do not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the spirit, okay? But let me show you one verse that I think really gets after this because it may be more than drugs and alcohol for you. There may be other things that steal away your sobriety, that steal away a sober mind, I've done enough reading and research on pornography to know that they say that, man, when people give themselves over to pornography, you know what it does? It releases chemicals in the brain that, guess what it does? It absolutely impairs judgment. It steals away the ability to make good and right choices. We like, we we give over our discernment and our actions when we pursue pornography And there may be other things that are, can I say this, porn to you? I don't know whether it's Amazon. (laughs) You know, could it be social media? I just can't stop. I I just can't stop. You know, it's like, it's taking over. It's taking over my judgment. I can't stop, and man, now I'm looking at things I probably ought not to be looking at, and I probably am feeding my mind and my soul with things I ought not to be, but it's just so dang easy. There are algorithms created to make it easy to suck us in. There are those voices on the side of the road saying, hey, look at what? You over here, look, come. Right? What impairs your judgment? It's Peter again. It's in 1 Peter 4, 7. He says this, guys, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and what? Sober and and of sober mind so that you may pray. 
I love that he says, so you may pray, because you know what? Self-control without prayer probably ain't going to work. In other words, we need our sobriety to stay in the ways of the Lord. God, guide me here. God, I need your help here. You, lose your, you give your sobriety, your sober-mindedness away to anything else, you have impaired judgment, it will steal the ability to act with self-control. So what do we stay away from? Things that impair judgment. Secondly, stay away from people who impair our judgment. This is as hard or harder than staying away from things that impair our judgment. It's also having to do with staying away from people who will impair our judgment. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because there are people who have your ear. There are people, oh, and you may not even know them all. Why do you think they call them social media influencers? Because they have influence over other people. They're speaking things into your mind, into your heart, into your life that are not beneficial, that are not helping you to grow in effectiveness or fruitfulness in your faith. But then there's other people that we sit next to in school or that we share an office space with (laughs) who will lead us down a wrong path. Probably many of you know the scripture that says bad company corrupts good character. Because why? Because it erodes self-control. I do bad things when I'm with those people. People that are inviting you to things that it's like, I just can't say no to them. So stay away from people that impair your judgment. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Don't befriend angry people. Oh, So there may even be people who are politicians who I've been given my ear to or news channels. And I'm talking left and right people. This is not some like politically motivated statement. I'm just saying be aware. When we give ourselves over, when we befriend, when we come into alignment and agreement with with those who are angry, hot-tempered, these are people who are not practicing what? Self-control. They give themselves over to something that is not, they have not given mastery to Jesus in these areas. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people because they're out of control. Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Why? Because it impairs our judgment. Are they evil? Are they headed to hell? Probably some. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> probably some not. 
but they, but they have not upgraded their faith with self-control. And guess what? If you are hanging out with others, even people who proclaim to be believers who have not added self-control to their life, they will pull you and drag you into their world, into their behaviors, and it's going to impair your judgment. So there are things that we need to say no to, stay clear from, and there's people. They're just not safe for us. What should we practice? What should we draw near to? I'm just going to leave this with you as a thought. Fasting is a biblical practice of self-control. Where we say no to certain things for a season, even good things. Because you know that self-control isn't just over bad things, it's over all things. Even good stuff. Like food, I need food. But fasting is like, I'm hitting pause on that. I am practicing self-control by developing a spiritual practice and a spiritual rhythm of fasting. Saying no. I, I can say no to that so that I can do what? So it just increases my bandwidth to say yes to the things of Jesus. I'm even saying no to good stuff. There's things we should stay away from but God's given us this beautiful practice of fasting for a season. Say no to certain things. It's self-control practice. I think some people are really, really concerned about putting their trust in Jesus because they think he's going to take control of my life. There's people that like, have really wrestled with, am I going to surrender my life to Jesus? Am I going to give him my life? Because I don't know what he's gonna do with it. And they're so concerned. He's gonna do, he's gonna do weird things. He's gonna make me be, go be a missionary someplace. They're gonna lop off my head. I don't know. Because <laughs> when I give control, it's a bit scary. Friends, I wanna tell you, Jesus loves you so deeply, fully, completely, without reservation. The good and the bad, the upgraded and the non-upgraded parts, he loves all of who you are. And I promise you that as you put your trust in him and give full control over to Jesus, he will never, ever abuse he will never lead you down a wrong path. He will never lead you into places for your destruction. Ever. It will be beneficial. It will be useful. It will be fruitful. Is it going to be easy? No. It's way easier to operate without self-control. Or perseverance, which we'll get to next week. Way easier. But I'll tell you, it's way better. When we learn to upgrade our faith with self-control, with perseverance, and say, God, I am wrestling that control, the mastery of my own life, so God, that I can hand it over to you. Yeah. He will never let you down. He will bring healing. He will bring redemption. He will bring restoration. He will bring peace. He will pour his love into you. He will pour wisdom and goodness and strength. He will give you his spirit to produce everything that you've always wanted.
in your life. So Jesus, we give our lives to you. Jesus, we need to regain self-control, Lord, so that we can say, God, now I give you control of my life. And we never have to fear you. We never have to fear what you would do with our lives. Man, if there's anybody here and you've been in that wrestling match with the Lord, like you know that he's real, you know that he's good, you know that he died for you to forgive you and to take your sin upon himself. But you've been wrestling and you have not given him control of your life. Now, I invite you right here, right now, before we do anything else, to say, Jesus, I not only put my trust in you, I give you control. I give you control of my life. If that's you right now, I just want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm giving him my trust and the control of my life. Raise your hand, wave at me and say, that's me, Pastor. Yeah, you guys, proud of you. God is with you. He will not let you down. Yes, yes, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, man, I agree with you. And now is there anybody else like me challenged by this word to say, God, there's areas of my life that I've surrendered, that I have not been walking with self-control. Other things have mastered these areas of my life. And God, I am now I'm saying, I am choosing to upgrade my faith in this area of self-control. Would you raise your hands and say, God, help me. Help me, Lord. Jesus, I pray for myself and my friends, Lord, who are saying, God, I need your help. Lord, to upgrade my faith in this area of self-control. God, would you pour it out upon them, bless them, enable them by the power of your indwelling Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 amen.